People never grow up that always expect to get something when they don't want to put anything in. You're, you're being a child. You're being a child. And I train myself. I, this is why sometimes it takes, it's very challenging. Sometimes you, you see me when someone gives me something, a gift, so to speak. When you all give a gift to me, it's hard for me. Why? Because I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like I did anything for it. Because as I'm pastoring this church, I'm doing it unto the Lord. Now, if God says, son, let me give you something because you've been doing my job, you've been doing what I want you to do, that might be a little easier for me. But when you all give it to me, I feel like, man, do I even deserve this? You know, because I'm serving the Lord, but I understand the process. I am just trying to get you to explain, get you to understand what I mean by I don't look for something from any place. Or from anyone when I'm not putting the effort in. And we do that as people because God has done that for us. He's given to us even when we didn't deserve it. So we let that spill over into our lives expecting to receive stuff from people and from situations. And we didn't do anything for it. And then we like to run around and say, God is good. He blessed me. He always on time. And I want God, I, I, I thank God for all his blessings. But man, I want, to, I want to do something for all that he has done. I want to do something for him. I, just, I don't want to just keep existing and just feel like, man, God is always doing it. What am I doing? Just thought I'd just, you know, that, that's spiritual maturity. If we're going to grow up, we can't just take, take, take. Uh huh. All right, page 45 in our booklet, we'll start at Attitudes of Maturity. We talked about that just a little bit the other day, but we'll run through it real quick tonight because it's just so important. Attitudes of Maturity, we're still in our um, um, journey series of discipleship, um, trying to help you. You know, um, these are tedious um, lessons and some of it you might feel like I know it and all this stuff but here is the truth churches that don't do discipleship programs usually have weak saints and saints that eventually become ain'ts <laughs> because there's no discipleship and so it's all good that we come together on Sunday and there's a message that's preached that should help you but the foundation uh, of your Christian walk will come when you are in Bible study, studying the Word of God. It's your foundation. And you can't t take things for granted because sometimes, you know, um, teachers and ministers can take things for granted and say, well, they've been in church a long time. They should know this. Okay. All right. Attitudes of maturity. Real Christian is about Life change. Real Christianity is about life change, not about religion. And in a nutshell, that means if you decide to surrender your life to Christ and, and, and begin to live for Christ, you're supposed to see a change in your life. People become religious and don't really realize we're religious and we have not been transformed. Remember, AA has been working for many years. That's not the power of God transforming people's lives, but they are no longer hooked to alcohol. So you can change your behavior, but not be transformed. It's only the Holy Ghost that can transform us. So when we say we're Christians, it means our lives are transformed and continues to be transformed. We can't be Christians and just be religious. Do some actions, you know, like, I no longer do this, I do this. We'll get to this. We'll, we'll, we'll show you how important it is. Romans 8, 28 and 29. This is in the uh, King James Version. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them, that, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did for new, he also predest, predestinate to be 
conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So let me say this, in case we have kind of looked to the side. Christianity is about becoming like Jesus. Christianity is becoming like Jesus. It's not inheriting some behaviors that you never had before. It's not just just changing the places you used to go and changing some of the things you used to do. No, when we say we are born again of the water and of the spirit, what we're saying is, I understand now, for the rest of my life, I'm going to strive to be like Jesus. And so that's why in Romans 8, 29, it says, for whom he did foreknew, he knew you before you was even formed in your mother's womb. And so he knew you before you were even formed. He also did predestinate to be for you to be conformed, to become in the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among talking about Jesus, but we are supposed to be like him. And so we are supposed to be striving all the time. I need to be like Jesus. I need to be like Jesus. Not just change my behavior, not just change my actions, but I need to be like Jesus. Growing in maturity is essentially in maintaining the salvation of believers. You know, we have to understand this also. We say when we're born again, we're saved. Our position and status at that time means we're saved. But that status and position can change. So when we give our life to Christ and we repent of our sins and we're born again by the water and the spirit, and now we're walking with Christ, our status and position is, I'm saved. But you can lose out on that status and position if you stop obeying. And we have to understand that because, because a lot, you know, there is some religion that says once you get saved, you're gonna always be saved. And Judas is our proof of that. Judas. Judas gave his life to Christ. He walked with Christ. Didn't mean that he died saved. Maturity involves both separation and dedication. So when you say that you are maturing in Christ, you're watching your life and you're developing, you're watching your growth, you have to look and say, have I separated myself from some things and have I dedicated myself unto the Lord? So as a Christian who are growing and maturing in Christ, you have to separate from things that are ungodly and you have to dedicate yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is why some people, as we talked about Sunday, are fearful to get saved. Why? Because you're afraid to separate. You're trying to figure out what's going to happen when I stop doing this. What's going to happen when I stop going here? What's going to happen when I'm not hanging with that one? And you're trying to figure that out. And so that makes you say, but if you're going to grow in Christ, you're going to have to separate from some things. From some things, and you're going to have to dedicate yourself to Christ. That's growing in maturity. If you give your life to God, which we see sometime in church, unfortunately, you give your life to God, we're born again of the water and of the spirit, and we're still living the same way, guess what? You're not maturing in Christ. You're just kind of, you, you just you, you're just born, and you're not developing. And we all know in the natural, we don't want that. I don't know what parent want their child to be born and never be developed. So why would we want to give our life to Christ and never be developed? Just stay in that same position. We are motivated to live obedient lives, not merely by rules, but by our love for God. Remember, I touched on this last week, that the standard of love is greater than the law. Many of us say, man, the law is tough. Yeah, because you only look at the law as being tough because you're trying to follow something. But when you are dedicated to something, it's really, it's, it's a whole different dimension. You're just not keeping scores. 
the law make you keep scores. Love don't make you keep scores. Uh, yep. If we lay out guidelines, this is how we need to do it. That's what we do. Okay. And we read and see what we're required to do. Oh, all right. That's my part. I know my part. And we hold to our part. When love comes up and it's about love, you don't have a part. You do whatever you have to do, whatever is necessary to fulfill the need of the one that you love. So you're not looking at the rules when you love, but when you're dealing with the law, you want to learn the law as best as possible so you never give anything more than what the law says. Oh, the law says don't do that. Okay. You, but you won't do anything more than that because the law says so we have to be careful when we're trying to live our life, our Christian life. Thou shalt not steal. Okay, you should not steal. I know that. That's, the, that's, that's what the Word of God says. But instead, how you should live your life is, I don't want to disappoint God. Forget about the stealing. See, this is what we do why, that messes with our walk with God. We worry about the do's and the don'ts instead of saying, I don't want to disappoint God. So, if I don't want to disappoint him, I'm going to do the things that don't disappoint him. That's called love. But, but, but trying to make sure I don't steal, it's not necessarily love. This is why you can get in church, and people can look a certain way, and people can talk a certain way, but they don't have a relationship with God. Because they can just follow some rules. But their heart, their motive is not saying why they're doing it. Why are we doing it? And love should be the reason why we do what we do. It should be love. Nothing else. Now, eventually we'll go back to teaching um, on the subject, God's law of being. Probably the most powerful, powerful teaching I think I can teach anybody. God's law of being. We taught it one time. I don't know, was it this year or last year? Probably earlier this year, but we'll do it again next year, which is right around the corner. Um, but I'm, I'm bringing that up because we know that God created us. The number one reason why God created us is value for himself. We'll get into that in God's law of being. I don't have time to get into that. Because God had to be, God had to prove he had some kind of value or worth. God's creation, creation for us, for him creating us, his first reason for creating us is to make himself valuable. Yeah, I'll talk to you about that. You can't mess with that. But that's, that's it. Now, the second thing is for fellowship. We've always thought he just created us for fellowship. But here is how I throw the monkey wrench in the fellowship part. If God don't need anything outside of himself, why did he need fellowship? <laughs> Tradition just went out the window. If he doesn't need anything, he sustains himself. He's all everything. And he doesn't need anything. Then why did he need us? And the number one reason is he had to make himself valuable, worth something. Because if he existed by himself, he would be worth nothing. Because who was here to tell me worth something? But that's, that's in another teaching. But the bottom line is the second thing fellowship family that's what god created for us that's why he created us after that part and so this is about relationship and family and love and not about works do's and don'ts and if we're going to be mature christians we have to know that this is about relationship it's about love it's not about what you should do or shouldn't do because there are some things that you won't, there are some things that you won't have Bible for it when you encounter it. And the only way you will know how to navigate it is by love. 
People are going to approach you about some things. There's going to be some challenges that you're going to face. And the only thing that makes it work is if you're functioning from a place of love and not from a place of do's and don'ts. If you function on do's and don'ts, it's going to jam you up sometime. It's black and white. You're going to offend people because it's black and white. But if you function from love, you'll always figure out a way how to make people feel loved. And that's how you approach things. And that will work. Um, let's see here. So we can't go by rules, but we must operate by love. Our righteousness, E, our, our righteousness works are not the means by which we receive salvation, but the result of us receiving salvation. First of all, we don't have any righteousness in us. So whatever righteousness we will demonstrate is the righteousness of the Lord. And so we can't be saved by righteousness, but if we are not righteous, we will not be saved. Right? Make sense? We can't be saved by righteousness because it's not ours to begin with. So we can't say, well, I'm going to be righteous so God can save me. You don't have no righteousness, so God can't save you. But if you will obey him, then you take on his righteousness. And so in a, as a result of that, you can walk in salvation. For by grace are you saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's go to F. There are different levels of maturity in God's family, and each member is loved at their present stage. That's a big one that we got to get as Christians. Everybody's maturity level in Christ is at a different level. And the bottom line is this. If you're very mature, you're, you should know how to handle and help that person that is not as mature as you. And unfortunately, what we do sometimes is get frustrated and be mad and all kind of things when we don't realize they're not at the maturity level as us. I don't care how people sometimes present themselves. Thank God they know how to present themselves. But it doesn't mean that they're at a high maturity level. And sometimes we look and we say, well, you know, they should be. We got to be careful of where we put people. Their, their actions, people's actions tell you how mature they are. What I keep saying, people are screaming, telling us who they are, but we want to believe what we want to believe. But people are screaming, saying, this is who I am, by their actions, but we just decide we're going to believe what we want to believe about them. And then we get mad when what we want to believe is not really what's going on. All right, areas of maturity, first one, attitude. If we're going to be mature, we got to have a good attitude. Somebody say amen to that. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, all spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another, really and freely, as God in Christ forgave you. That's the Amplified Virgin. So the bottom line is this. We got to challenge ourselves. Anger. You find yourself being angry all the time. You're a Christian. What about your temper? Is it under control? What about your rage? And sometimes the Lord will allow things to happen around you. To see if you get pulled back into that kind of way of being or you're going to maintain who you're supposed to be 
as a Christian. We've we got to be real with ourselves that when some of these actions shows up, we get on our knees and not blame the other person. Can you believe they said that to me? I can't believe they did this to me. It doesn't matter what they did or what they said. Your job is to be a Christian. You want me to mess with you? We're trying to be like Christ, right? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now come and show me which one of you in here tonight was stripped out of your clothes and beaten with the with the whip that just took your flesh out. Who, 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 who suffered that? It ain't the same thing. I don't care what kind of beating you got. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. I need to go find that whip and bring it into church and show it to you. <laughs> so you know it's not the same thing. You need to get one of my beatings, then you'll have something to talk about. You want one of my beatings? Yeah. Ask my big kids about my beatings. Yeah. So, so we have to check ourselves when we see, when we start speaking language that's just offensive. We got to check ourselves. How we treat one another, when we have malice against one another, ill will against one another. We got to watch that stuff if we're maturing. Now, am I saying that people not going to have that stuff? People will have that stuff. But just understand if those things are coming out of you, we know where your maturity is in Christ. And you that are around them need to understand that. Remember I always tell you, there's a scripture that says, I'm paraphrasing, don't answer a fool. Man, you don't understand. When a fool become a fool, as a Christian, because when I wasn't a Christian, I become a fool just right, right, back, right with them. When I wasn't a Christian, you a fool, I'll be a fool. See who's going to be the best fool. But when you become a Christian, when a fool be, start acting out foolishly, don't answer them. I don't know why we feel like we got to answer the fools. When the fools start acting up, leave them alone. Just get quiet. Shut it down. Smile if you need to. And hopefully the fool will realize they just act like a fool and they need to go pray. We got to be careful because we're supposed to be mature. This is one of my pet peeves um, in Christ because it just burns me up sometimes. But I realize that they are where they are. That's why they act like that. So it just burns me up sometimes, Ethan. Guys do it all the time. Let me not even put the ladies in the guy's door. Dude want to come at another dude like he tough. And the bottom line is, God saved me. I'm growing. I'm maturing. And you want to come to me with toughness? Because what, you trying to be more of a man now? Yeah. And I just smile. Oh, brother, if I offend you, I'm so sorry. My fault. Ain't because I'm not a fool. And I'm maturing in Christ. Now, he a fool because he got born again and all this stuff, but he's still trying to use the old ways of being to show that he's a man. That's not how we show we're a man after we get saved. Please. We show we're a man by how we mature in Christ. We show we women when we mature in Christ. Not by our anger. Not by our nasty ways. Not by our brawling, not by our animosity, not by evil speaking, none of that stuff. We show we men and women mature in Christ by how we speak, how we treat people, not by all those bad ways. We must put away all evil attitudes, including hatred, wrath, jealousy, bitterness, pride, prejudice, vengeance, discord, and rebellion. We got to put those things away because those things will wreck us. And what we say, pride is probably the one you got to watch out for the most because all the other things that we just named here, you probably can detect when they're operating in your life. But pride is very hard sometimes to detect because most people that are operating in pride, they don't believe that, that it's pride. Mm-hmm. So you got to watch yourself with that one. So our attitude, the next thing is our thought. What we think 
have a lot to do with how we operate. So if you're going to mature, grow up in God, you have to have the right thoughts. Uh-huh. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, I quote this sometimes when I say, Lord, I need good thoughts. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be, well, I'm quoting it from the KJV, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. I can't read other versions. I'm so locked in the NLV in, in the King James Version. When I see other versions of the Bible, it just throws me off. Anyway, we move along. <laughs> um, our thoughts are very important. We have to make sure we handle our thoughts. Now, this is good. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. Here we go. Here we go. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Here we go. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We got to know how to handle the thoughts that we're dealing with. What we see now, this is a biggie. Again, you know, old time church used to tell you where to go and where not to go. That's a, that's a tradition. I'm not telling you where to go and where not to go. What I will tell you is the Bible says, be careful what you put your eyes on. So we have examples from Lot and Adam and Eve. They made their eyes put evil in their heart because they put they put their eyes on things that was going to tempt them and take take them in the wrong way Matthew 6:22-23 your eyes is a lamp for your body a pure eye lets sunshine into your soul uh-huh we must guard our eyes as the gate of the soul and the primary source of input for the mind. We should choose reading material with care so that we do not saturate our minds with vulgarity, sensuality, and sin because of the violence, illicit sex, sinfulness, bad language, and vanity that dominates television movies and the internet we must carefully control or eliminate what we watch and limit our exposure to those things so what you put your eyes on your eyes is the pathway into your soul and so what you look at what you put your eyes on is going to go in your heart and now one day you praying and you praying up a storm and all of a sudden that thought that sight of that thing you saw that you lust after come right in your mind. And you saying, I'm praying. How did that come in my mind? Because you let it in a, lot, a while back. And you got to deal with it. So when you let it in, you got to go to God and say, God, I let that in. And that wasn't right. And I need to get that out of me because I don't want that thing to mess with my mind. I don't want it to mess with my relationship and my prayer life. So I need your help, Lord. Can I tell you something? If you really want to do this thing, you can do this thing. Many times I sit around and I ask, what is inside of me? We quote this scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that, and we have no idea what we're really saying. I am still in awe trying to figure out what is in me that's moving me and driving me and making me just know I got to do this? What is that? I feel like I'm just possessed in a good way. Because there's something in me that I, I, I can't see nothing else, but I got to just do this. Where did that come from? 
I've never had anything in my life. I've never been involved in anything in my life with something in my life that possessed me that says, you got to do this. Like what's going on with my relationship with Christ. And I'm saying that to you to say, if you really serious about this, it'll work for you. Because God is going to do something in you to make you say the same thing I'm saying if he hadn't already done that for you. Make you say, oh, no. But I'm not just talking. This is this is where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get at and get you to understand. Not just saying I'm saved, though. I'm talking about just willing me to do stuff. I'm just like, I can't stop. I can't stop. There is something in me that's willing me that I got to just keep serving the Lord and keep doing this. And sometimes I feel like, man, God, I'm tired. And that thing just bubble up in me again and will me. You're going to get it done. If we really want to serve the Lord, because he ain't... He don't make this special for somebody and not the other person. He's no respect of persons. So he's not going to put this thing in me and not put it in anybody else that says, God, I want to do your will. It's for everybody. And if you really sincerely go to God and say, God, I want everything you have in store for me. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Oh, man. You feel like a machine. Like. An indestructible machine, because even you yourself can't even stop it. But you get there by submitting, 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 and doing. And, and you do that long enough, and it will be like, I can't stop. That's where we all need to get to. You need to wake up every day with just knowing, I got to do the will of God. If we can get to that place, wake up every day, I got to do the will of God. If you will be, if, if you will let this thing get a hold of you, you will come to church and says, I got to do something for God. I can't just come to that church. I got to do something because something's got a hold of me. And there's nothing I can do about it. Because when I surrender completely, I'm just not talking about me now. When I surrender completely, that thing grab a hold of me and there's nothing I can do but just do. That's what we need to get to. That's that maturity that we're trying to strive to, to, to get to where we can't help ourselves. And then you really know it's really not your thing. It's his thing. It's not even my thing. It's his thing. But I trust him so much because the way how I feel possessed by his thing, I trust him because I'm like, I didn't do this. I don't know how this happened. I didn't do this. And so I can trust him with everything because whatever he has done to make me feel the way that I feel, then he can do whatever else. So just go ahead and do, do your thing. Our speech. Got to be tight. We got it. We got to do the right thing if we're going to mature in the, in the things that we say. We should avoid gossiping, backbiting, slander, causing division, swearing by oath. Now complaining, vow complaining, taking the Lord's name in vain, criticizing, cursing, lying, idle words, and suggestive or filthy speech. We got to be careful what we say. James in James 1:26 says if anyone consider himself or herself religious meaning a Christian and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue he deceives himself and his religion is worthless you got to control that speech because remember somebody the person that says Stick, sticks and stone may break my bones but words shall never hurt me they lied because the opposite is true. Words will stick with you and keep hurting you. That broken finger can get well. That broken hand can get set back well and it's like it never was broken. But that, that, that word that, that, that's just bad, that you have said to someone, it just gnaw at them. And, 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 and it's so bad that you're going to have to, if somebody can say something really bad to hurt you and they say forgive me 
and they went and prayed, but it was so bad, you got to go pray now. And you didn't do nothing. You didn't do nothing. But now you got to go pray to get it out because it hurt so bad. You got to say, God, root this out of me because it's making me see them a certain way or it's hurting me all the time. And that was just the word. So we got to be careful in how we speak. What you say to people. Our body. We know our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Bible said, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. God made it clear. It's reasonable. I'm not asking you to do something unreasonable here. That just goes for so many things in God that people start coming up like, I don't see why that's necessary. They do that over at that church. Why is that necessary? When God said, give me your body, and that's reasonable. But everything else we got, I don't see why we got to do that. I don't see why we need to do that. You don't want to serve God. You just want to go to heaven, and you want the blessings of God. Because when you, when you really get in this thing, you don't care what you got to do. Bring it on. Bring it on. All right. Sex. We shouldn't have no sexual relations other than the relations in marriage. <laughs> the Bible condemns all sexual relationships and activity outside of marriage between one man and one woman. Marriage is only between one man and one woman. Now, we know there's other versions of illicit sex that God forbid, but, you know, when we talk about marriage, it's just one man, one woman. But we got to make sure we guard this body and only use it for marriage when we get into those relations. That's heavy. We're going to talk about that in February when we have our little thing. So if y'all don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, then don't come. But we're going to talk about it. Because a big part of... um, um it's a big part of relationships, and people don't want to talk about it, but it's a big part of relationship. God put that into play for two reasons. He put it in play for two reasons, for children and for you to be connected to your spouse. Nothing connects you like that. There ain't no other way to keep that connection going. So when that's not going, you're, you're not connected the way the Lord wants you to be connected. This scripture always mess with me for y'all married people. There's a scripture in Corinthians that talk about defraud not one another. Now, what it messed with me on is this. This is the, this is the part where it messed with me. It says the only time you should never or you should not take care of each other is when you fast. But here's what it says, Sister Hasker. It says, <laughs> it says, but after you are fast, done fasting, immediately connect back so you won't be tempted. I said, oh, he's telling us a whole lot of stuff. First of all, make sure you're always connected through that. But second of all, don't let the other one not be connected. Because there's a real temptation there when there's no connection. So God is telling us, I made you so to desire that. And so you need to make sure that's being taken care of. Because if that's not taken care of, you're going to be tempted. The Bible said it. Jesus said it. He says, you will be tempted. So in order to prevent temptation, hook back up quickly after that fast. Go check my word out if you want. It ain't my word, it's the Bible. So we got to do it right. Honesty. Mark 10, 19. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor father and mother. Christians must reject all forms of dishonesty. 
This include lying, stealing, defrauding, refusal to pay debt. Refusal to pay debt. We didn't think that was Christian. I ain't paying them nothing. We can't do that. As a matter of fact, you want me to tell you a little secret? little secret. In our organization, when you, when you apply for license, guess one of the questions they ask you on the application? Hmm? Mm-mm. If you've ever filed for bankruptcy. Because it means that you're trying not to pay your creditors. Oh, don't get quiet on me now. Listen, we're learning. So if you fall in that category, it's okay. We'll move past it. Okay? What I'm trying to tell you is what we're supposed to be as Christians is that if we owe, we pay. We don't try to figure out a way how to get around it. If we owe, we pay. Now, we have to fall in that category that we had owed and we didn't pay. Okay, repent, move forward, and start paying. What the Bible says, God owed no man. And even if you got to pay $5 a month, pay. I got it. One of my um, projects that I ran was a collection department. Just, just, just set up something every month. Pay. Make sure they're getting something so they can't. You, you can't mess up your your reputation as a Christian. You might can't pay at all because you don't have the money. But I'm going to pay you something every month. So there you go. Entertainment. <laughs> you didn't know all of this was going to be in church tonight, huh? Entertainment. First Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from evil, shrink from it, and keep aloof from it in whatever form or whatever kind it may be. Thessalonians 5.22, in another version. Here we go. Abstain from all appearance of evil. So if anything seems evil to you, stay away from it. And entertainment is a big one. We got to be careful in what we allow to entertain us. Uh huh. And so we're going to finish up here with the five things you need to be as a mature Christian. Five things you need to be a mature Christian. First one, desire. You got to have a desire, man. You got to have a desire. We have desires for a whole lot of things. If we're going to live for God, we've got to have a desire for God. We've got to have a desire to serve him. If you start half-heartedly, you will never succeed. I told you, I can tell you about that all the time. My kids never wanted to cut my grass. But I made them because I had the authority to make them. But it never was done right. I think there's a lot of Christians that don't want to cut the grass. A lot of Christians don't want to cut the grass. So as you watch them serve God, you can see patches because they didn't want to serve the Lord. They want the benefits. I'm challenging you tonight. Are you one of the Christians that want the benefits but don't want to do all the other stuff? That's why I started out saying what I said when I started at the beginning. Are you a person that is expecting something even when you didn't do anything to be expecting it? Because if you are, you're probably, it's probably showing up in your Christian walk as well. Well, God is good. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He says that he will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. And, and we start quoting those things. So that just make us sit back and say, come on, Jesus. And we're just expecting him to just keep doing and we just chilling. We need desire. If you don't have a desire to do what you should be doing, say it to the Lord. God, why don't I have a desire for this? What's wrong with me? Can you help me to understand what's my problem? Why I have no desire for this? And, and, and how can I get a desire for this? For God, it's right. It's your will. I want a desire for your will. I want a desire for the plan of God for my life. And so if I don't find it, if I don't have it, I need you to help me with it. Do we go to God like that? We can't serve God half-heartedly because we will never succeed. Uh huh. Decisiveness. We got to be decisive. 
Don't procrastinate. Listen to this. It's much easier to break a bad habit today than it will be later. Tomorrow just never comes. We got to trust God. And what that means sometimes is, sometimes you think that, you know what? It's so bad, I'm just going to start fresh tomorrow. Don't do that. Don't tell yourself, this is such a mess. Next week, I'll just start over fresh. This is such a mess. I just need a couple of days to start over. Don't do it. This is what you're better off doing. Sincerely declare something at that moment. And if somehow you mess up, declare it again the next moment. But don't put it off for a few hours or for a few days because those days never come. I'm going to start fasting Monday because it's the weekend and I'm going to eat good and blah, blah, blah. We can say that and then guess what's going to happen? Monday comes and the boss is treating for lunch. And you're eating, right? So the bottom line is you thought you were going to start Monday and you can't start Monday. Because now, and then, all right, I'm going to start. And it's just something. So the best thing to do is to declare right then and there what it is that you need to do. Just, just go ahead and do it and pray about it. <laughs> you ever pray, lead me not into temptation? Oh, I'm the only one that prayed that. God will really lead you not into temptation if you really don't want to be in temptation. Oh, man, y'all, y'all getting quiet on me. You got to know when you want to be On a straight and narrow, pray it. God will do it. God will work it out. But a lot of times we get caught and trapped because we never really prayed because we never really wanted to stay on the straight and narrow. We just let ourselves slip by not praying about it. And then when we fall into, well, everybody falls. Everybody mess up. No, if you would have prayed about it, you wouldn't have messed up. Because God is all with you. He's trying to help you so you don't mess up. But a lot of times we want to mess up. We're not saying it. We just don't pray about it. So when you don't pray about it, when you know it's an issue, you know what that is. Just throw that in so you'll know. You don't pray about it when you know it's an issue. You know what it is. You don't want to really get rid of it right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Declaration, the power of a promise is awesome, particularly if you have a friend hold you accountable to keep it. Listen, make a vow or make vows to the Lord your God and pray them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him who ought to be feared. Listen, have somebody in your life sometimes. That can hold you accountable. We don't like to do that. And you don't have to tell them the exact business. Just say, listen, I need you to call me and ask me about, did I do this or did I do that? Because it's important that you're accountable. Make the declaration. Determination. Never be swayed by the devil's temptation to return to your old habits. Just this once. That's what you say. (laughs) You know, sometimes we just don't know. You know, you've heard me say this before. Um, We sometimes calculate what we think will happen when we do something. And that's so foolish because we don't really know. But we tell ourselves that, "Ah, what's the worst that can happen? Blah, 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 blah. And you don't know worse than what you calculated can happen. Mm -hmm. Never be swayed by the devil's temptation to return to your old habits just the once. The act of yielding to temptation weakens your will and reinforces your lack of self-control. It takes three weeks to become comfortable with a new habit, doing it daily, and three weeks 
for it to become a permanent part of your life. So it takes six weeks to get a habit permanently established in your life. Six weeks. And you want to hear what's funny? It takes one week to mess it up. I don't, that's not there. I'm just talking about, you know, <laughs> I just know, you know, you're killing the gym. I'm killing it. Let a whole week go by without you killing it. And all of a sudden it's two months. You're like, man, you know, I haven't been to the gym in two months. One week. You miss and all of a sudden three months. I haven't been to the gym. Man, it's, it's, now that's, if I got any problems, that's my problem that I would like to ask God to help us with. Why is it so easy to mess things up, but it's so hard to make things right? Man, you don't think about that. How it's easy to just mess up, but it's hard to make it right. I think about it. I'm like, man, God, that's just hard. It's rough. Dependence on God. We got to rely on God's power to help us establish our new habits. Satan will do all he can to tempt us cause we slip or cause us to slip or discourage us from developing habits that will help us grow spiritually. The devil wants to stop you from growing spiritually and so he will do everything that he can. Next week we'll pick up in giving. We'll finish up this this um, entire uh, journey series by the end of the year will be done by the end of the year. Um, next week, we'll talk about giving. And any any questions? Oh, week after next. Somebody is on it. Yes, Jordan. I got my belt on and I can take it off real quick if you get out of line. I, what? What? I didn't say that. I said, if you don't get it, if you don't talk it right, I'm going to beat you. What you got? <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Why do you think that's tough? You know what I'm, you know I'm going to do? I'm going to tell your mom to let you, the next time you have like a whole week off, I'm going to tell your mom to let you spend a week over my house. You want to do that? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Now, there's a caveat to it. I'm going to ask your mom, can I beat you whenever you act up? You, okay. All right. We're going to work that out. Boy, I'm going to send him back to his house real good. Because I'm not even playing. You might think I'm playing, but I'm not playing. So I want you to come to my house. Come to my, ask, who was it? Zeke? Was it Zeke Nicola? Was it Isaiah? Came to my house, want to act up? I beat him. He was never the same. He was all right. I straightened it out, baby. CJ, oh, CJ. Yes, CJ. Beat his.